0: How y'all doing this morning? This balmy Sunday morning, man. Patricians, if you're anywhere where it's over 30 degrees below zero windchill, you're in a better spot than we are. That was nasty, but it's warm in here, and the presence of God is here. And I gotta get my stopwatch going. There we go. So everything's cool. Uh, we're in a series on spiritual warfare. Last week we talked about how there's Satan has this authority, this remarkable authority, actually, in the world. Uh, God of this age, principality, and power of the air. But for believers who are in Christ, seated far above all principalities and powers, there's nothing to fear, right? Uh, this week, we're going to, to, this morning, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're calling this a Declaration of Independence. Because it's about how to get free from the cages that the enemy tries to entrap us in. Uh, when I, I was saying about what's the best way to illustrate the enemy's strategy for getting us into cages and, uh, I came to the conclusion that the best illustration of this is my parenting, unfortunately. Uh, I've shared this before. I don't know why it is, but a part of me never grew out of junior high. I, I, I just never matured beyond that in certain areas of my life, one of them being humor. And so uh, it's been a part of my interaction with my kids and now my grandkids that we, we just play a lot of silly pranks on each other. I've shared this before. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned how if I'm out with the grandkids and uh, we're eating any ice cream or anything that's smushy, I will, at some point, pretend to smell it and go, oh, it's nasty, you know, it tastes good, but there's some weird chemical in this. And so, invariably, Sage will uh, get close to it and try to smell it, and I'll just push her head into it. And it's a great fun. And she'll laugh, and I'll laugh. And, and other families, that would be seen as cruel, but in our family, that's kind of normal. So I, that's to set the stage for what I'm going to tell you now. Uh, this is the best prank I think I pulled on any of my kids ever. Uh, and it's how I illustrate Satan. I am evil. So here's the thing. I, uh, we were at, this is 20 years ago. Uh, my, Alicia was 12. And, um, we went to a, a Chinese restaurant. It was the first time I think we'd ever been to a Chinese restaurant. It was this huge Chinese restaurant. They had all these different tables and all the selection was just incredible. And because we'd never been there before, uh, the kids didn't know what half the food was. So there's a lot of kind of experimentation going on and try this, try that. Ooh, that's nasty. That's good. And, you know, just that kind of thing. It was a buffet style sort of deal. And so uh, they get their meals and, and go on the table. And I'm still kind of fiddling around. And so while the rest of the family has been seated, I'm just about ready to sit down. But I noticed there's this green stuff. Um, it looked a little bit like Guacamole. You guys have been to that restaurant apparently, and and uh, so I just tried a little bit of it, uh, yeah, just a little sampler thing, and it was nasty. It was on, my mouth was on fire, and I people have wide variety of tastes when it comes to seasoning and all that, I, and cultures are very different on that. So I respect all of that, but for this Irish guy, that stuff has got no business being anywhere near food. That was th- th- this is what you'd give your worst enemy if, if you weren't a Christian. Okay, so. But it did look like guacamole. Now, Alicia happens to love guacamole. I'm evil. I know. I'm evil. Uh, it, it's, just, it's terrible. But so I uh, get a bunch of this. Uh, I turn. out it's wasabi, I think it's called. Have you had that? It's just, who calls that food, really? Uh, so I, I get a, a cup of this, and I go sit down. And before we even pray, in fact, we never got around to praying because of what happened next. But I sit down and I say, Alicia, this is the best guacamole I've ever had. you got to taste this. I'm evil. And and so you can just see her innocent eyes are just full of anticipation. Her taste buds are getting ready to savor this delicious guacamole. And so she enthusiastically reaches out and gets a spoonful and shoves it in her mouth. (laughs) I'm evil. She'll forgive me someday. Okay, then, then, see, they didn't have video cameras back then, but if I would have got a video shot of her face, I would have won Funny Stone videos, hands down. It, initially, there's this kind of look of bewildered terror. I don't know if you've ever had that, where it's like your brain's going, what's happening, what's happening? So it's kind of like a weird stare. You know? And then it turns to pure horror, and she spits out this green stuff all over the place. And she grabs some napkins and starts to just scrape her mouth, her tongue. <laughs> and her eyes, of course, are all watery. I'm about ready to wet my pants. I'm laughing so hard. It, w- it was just the best prank ever. Uh, Shelly didn't find it so funny. <laughs> uh, she suddenly thought I pushed the envelope a little too far. Can you believe that? Me. Uh, too far. Uh, so I was in the doghouse for a little while. But as all the husbands in the room know, sometimes you know you're going to be in the doghouse and you do it anyways because it's worth it. So there you go. Okay, so it, it was, and Alicia finally laughed at it like that was just the nastiest joke you've ever played on me, blah, 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 blah. Um, I say all that to say this. That's how Satan operates. Uh, he, he. he I, I was basically, okay, it, it's in a prank, so it's not evil. But I, I was lying. I, I deceived Alicia into thinking this was guacamole, which I know she'd like. I enticed her. And so she acted on her belief, false belief, that this was guacamole, and it came back to bite her. And that, folks, is how the enemy operates. Uh, there's a lie. The foundation of, of everything that is off in our life is a lie. There's a lie about God and a lie about us. But we believe it, we're deceived, and so we act on it, and it comes back to, to bite us, to burn us up. Uh, he is the deceiver. He is the deceiver, the deceiver of the world. And at the foundation of all that's wrong in human society and in this world is a lie. And so the, I share that to share this, the key to getting free and staying free is to expose the lie and to hold fast to the truth in its place. So Paul says this in second Corinthians, he says, and what I have forgiven, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, this is, the, this is the battle here, might not outwit us, for we are not, or at least we should not, be unaware of his schemes. To the degree that we're unaware of his schemes, those deceptions, those strategies, uh, we will be outwitted and we will find ourselves encaged. We'll believe a lie and we'll act on a lie and we will be imprisoned because of that. So at this point, it's a good time to just announce that this this message is being brought to you by National Car Rental. So let's watch this commercial.
1: I've been called a control freak. I like to think of myself as more of a control enthusiast. Mmm, perfect 177 degrees. And that's why this road warrior rents from National. I can bypass the counter and go straight to my car. And I don't have to talk to any humans unless I want to, and I don't. The national lets me choose any car in the aisle. Control. And so, what's the word? Sexy. Go national. Go like a pro. Go national. Go like
0: a pro. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to do anything with that commercial just yet. Uh, just think about that. And as I'm talking here, teaching here, uh, think about it once in a while. And, and start to connect the dots here. I'm going to come back to that in, in a little bit. Uh, Satan is the deceiver of the world, which means that this battle that we find ourselves in. There's a cosmic war going on. It's primarily a battle between truth and lies. Primarily a battle between truth and lies. And the cages that we find ourselves in um, are are at their base cages of deception. Now, you may be experiencing yourself in, in a cage that feels like it's a cage of lust or cage of gambling addiction or drug addiction, or a cage of rage, or a cage of unfaithfulness, or a cage of whatever. And in, in a sense it is, because that's how you're experiencing it. You're experiencing the behavior that results from something else. But that something else is a lie. What holds that cage together is a lie. So exposing the lie is absolutely crucial to being free. If you change the behavior without changing the lie, it, you'll eventually have a different version of the cage. You'll just be trading cages. Freedom happens when we uh, uh, expose that lie. Uh, Jesus said this. Uh, It it says in the book of John that to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you will hold to my teachings, and that phrase, it really means to embrace or to hold fast to my teaching. Don't just know about it. You've got to internalize it, all right? Internalize my teaching. And then you'll really be my disciples. Just believing it doesn't make you a disciple. It's when you internalize it. Then you will know the truth. I love this passage. Then you will know the truth. When you internalize, hold fast to his teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the sun sets you free, folks, then you are free indeed. This is real freedom here. Now think about this. If the truth that the sun reveals is what sets us free, then what holds us in bondage must be the opposite of that. And the opposite of truth is a lie. We're imprisoned in lies. Truth could never suffice in setting us free uh, unless what is keeping us from being free are lies. So everything depends on holding fast to the truth. The truth shall set us free. This has been the enemy's strategy from the very, very beginning. You go back to the story in the, of, of the Garden of Eden, and the enemy shows up, and he doesn't tempt Eve with, with, with a temptation of lust or a temptation of power or a temptation of uh, debauchery or what have you. Uh, he tempts her with a lie. she's tempted to believe a lie. Here are, here are six of the most profound verses ever written in human history. Here's what it says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said, Oh, the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you are not to touch it, or you will die. That tree was just God's loving, no trespassing sign. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was there as a reminder. To God was essentially saying, look, everything revolves around this. This is why it's in the middle. Um, be like me in terms of how you love. You're in my image in terms of how you love. But don't try to image me in terms of knowing good and evil. I'll take care of all that. All right? So it, it it it's put there with their best interest in mind. God's loving, no trespassing sign. But The enemy says, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So then the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, which it wasn't. She took some of it and she ate it. What's going on here is this. Break this down. First of all, the serpent shows up. He's crafty. He's crafty. He's conniving. He's deceiving. Hollywood, as I mentioned last week, Hollywood paints this picture of Satan as obviously ugly, as as you know, just obviously evil. Uh, he tyrannizes people. Uh, he controls by brute force with a roar, and that is simply wrong. Um, the enemy is conniving. He's deceiving. So he comes to Eve, and he really he doesn't come like a ferocious beast. He comes as a friend. Eve, I'm here. I, I, I want to help you. I, there's a secret that I know that you don't know. And uh, let me just help you here. And then he essentially says this. Uh, Eve, you know, the, why do you think it is that God forbid you to eat from that tree that's in the middle of the garden? If it's in the middle of the garden, it must be pretty important. Why do you think that is? Eve, I'll let you in on a secret. Uh, God doesn't have your best interest in mind. No god is keeping you from something he's oppressing you he's pushing you down you see he doesn't want you to be like him he doesn't want any competition that's why he's forbidding the tree if you eat from that tree you're going to be just like him just as wise as him so how do you think he got to be god he of the tree which really means that the tree is god right uh and and, and so it's eve don't, don't be trusting this deity. he's not trustworthy he doesn't have your best interest in mind what the enemy does is he assassinates god's character And at the root of everything that's wrong in our life and wrong in the world is a lie about the character of God. He can't be trusted. The enemy assassinates God's character. Uh, And it's still his number one strategy to this day. So God is love, right? God is love. But the enemy assassinates his character. And so there's tons of people who say, well, no, he's got a cruel streak in him. And God is is outrageously generous. He, he, He pours himself out. He's always pouring himself out. Um, that's what he does. He gives himself away. That's what the cross reveals. But there's another deception of the enemy under this character assassination. There's tons of people who think that God is stingy. You got to grovel and beg for every little thing that that, that you want to get from him. God's always been involved in our life in his love. He's involved in our life. Everyone's life always working for the better, always working in their interests. He's intimately involved in everyone's life, whether they know it or not. And they usually don't. But the enemy assassinates his character. So there's just tons of people who believe that God's distant. He's aloof. He's apathetic. He doesn't care. God is gracious and merciful and forgiving. But there's tons of people under the deception of the enemy who, who imagine God to be this, 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 this uh, judge in the sky, the eye in the sky, looking with a frown, always at you. It's always assessing you the, and sizing you up and disappointed in what you do. God's always on the side of life. He's always life. He is life itself, the source of all life. But there's so many people under the deception of the enemy who think he's the God of death. He's behind everyone who dies. He's the killer of little babies. God is, is he, he rules with a with the influence of his love, respecting the personhood of others. But so many people under the character assassination of the enemy think that God is this control-free tyrant. God is altogether beautiful. He, he, he will do anything for you. He's, he's he, he he has done everything for you. That's what Calvary is all about. There's nothing he would hold back from you. He's altogether loving towards you, has your interests in mind. But the enemy, as he assassinates his character, he he projects himself onto God. And and so people see God often more like Satan than they do like the crucified Jesus Christ. He assassinates his character. This guy can't be trusted because the minute you stop trusting God, well, you're no longer going to be leaning on him for the really essence of our life. We're created with this incurable need for, for to feel significant in worth and value, to feel loved and secure in that love. And if we're not trusting God for it, then we've got to go somewhere else for it. And this is exactly what Eve does. Eve stops trusting God. Uh, the lie about God involves a lie about us. And this also is at the foundation of everything that's off with us and off with this world. Uh, so the enemy basically comes and says, Eve, you're on your own. Eve, there's something off with you. You're missing something, Eve. You're not okay as you are. You're content walking with God in the cool of the day, like you're some kind of household pet just waiting for Yahweh to show up and take you out for a walk. Eve, you can do better than this. Uh, if you want to maximize your full potentiality, then there's—it's you're on your own. you got to do it. You've got to make a courageous choice here. you got to make something of yourself. There's something you've got to acquire, something you've got to accomplish, and it's all found there right on that tree. And so Eve looks at it now, and now that she's not trusting God... She still needs to feel significant and worthwhile and, and secure and loved. But she's not going to get it from God. She thinks she's going to get it in that tree. And this is what the enemy has been doing ever since. He lies about God, which involves a lie about us. You're not okay. The truth is that you're made in the image of God. You're made in the image of the beautiful God. But the enemy comes along and says, you're not in anyone's image. No, you're a product of time and chance, evolution. You're just uh, There's nothing special about you. The truth is that you're God's artwork, you're his masterpiece. You've got an intrinsic beauty and an intrinsic worth. But the enemy comes along and says, there's no intrinsic beauty or intrinsic worth. If you're going to be beautiful, then you've got to doll yourself up. And if you're going to have any kind of worth, well, you've got to get it from other people. The truth is that we are created with an eternal purpose, to, to participate in the perfect love of God throughout eternity. But the enemy comes along and says, the only purpose is here and now. And it's about you living your best life now. you getting the biggest slice of the pie as you can get. The truth is that you mean everything to God, but the enemy comes along and says, you don't mean anything to anybody unless you put out. you gotta, you got to impress somebody. you got to achieve it. you got to earn it. you got to deserve it. It's all up to you. You're on your own. The truth is that we're secure in his love. And if you just accept that, then there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. That's all of our security, all the security we need. But uh, the enemy comes along and says, oh, there's nothing secure. Nothing's secure. Everything you have can be taken from you. And it's up to you to protect it. You've got to carry the gun. You've got to lock the door. You've got to build the fortress. You've got to get your own retirement plan. It's all up to you. So people live their life in all this anxiety. The truth is that God is enough. God is enough, as he's revealed himself to be on the cross, to fulfill that inner need that we have, to feel fully alive, and to feel like we've got unsurpassable worth and significance, importance, and security. God is enough. But the enemy comes along and says, you're on your own. And if we're on a own, then we got to do and we got to acquire and we got to achieve and we got to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, folks, this is what's been making the world go round. Uh, people are hungry because they're not trusting God. They're hungry, and so they're out there trying to make something of themselves, do something that's going to give them the full life that they want. They don't want to miss out on life, don't want this one opportunity to go by. This is all we've got. And so the world becomes a rat race, a feeding frenzy of people just trying to meet that inner need and That's the source of all the conflict in this world. Uh, This is why this tree is called the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That phrase uh, has a connotation of owning good and evil, defining it for yourself. What happens is this. If uh, if I'm going through life with a hungry heart, I'm feeling empty on the inside because I'm not trusting God to get my fullness, well then I'll use whatever strategy I can to get life. Everybody does this. You, You find out what works for you and you use it. You got, you're pretty, well then use pretty. You're smart, well then you're gonna use smart. You're talented, you're gonna use talented. You know, you're religious, you're gonna use religion. Whatever works for you. Whatever you got going for you, use it to try to get something. Everyone's hungry, trying to feed themselves. How am I doing? How am I doing? And, uh, uh, because of that, it turns us in, into this, this, this rat race. This is the world we live in. Everybody is out there. What, 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 what is good for us, what we think is good, is whatever will help us with that strategy. We call it good. We define what good is. If it helps me me carry out my strategy, it's good. If something prevents me from carrying out my strategy, it's evil. And see, folks, this is the source of all broken relationships and all anger and all hostility in the world, all violence in the world, because only one of us can be the prettiest in the room. It's kind of obvious if you ask me. Only one of us can be the smartest. Only one of us can be the most religious. And so uh, my good is going to conflict with your good. So your good becomes my evil. And now we have war. Now we have war. And this is what makes the sad, fallen world go around. It's all predicated on a lie about God, which is a lie about us, which causes us to define good and evil on our own. The essence of all sin is this. That's why it's called the truth of the knowledge of good and evil. God tells us what's bad for us. But out of our hungry hearts, we look at this and say, oh, but look it, it will make me feel full. I'll feel pleasurable. I'll feel actualized. I'll feel significant. I'll feel important. I'll feel worthwhile. I'll feel secure if I just do this. And so you say, forget God. I'm going to do my own thing. We know what's good. And we think we know what's evil. And we look at the world through those judgment eyes. Eve believes this lie, she becomes empty, she looks at the tree, and so out of her hunger it starts to look good and positive and something that is desirable, and so she eats from it, and that's the story of this fallen world. So the structure of the cages that we find ourselves in is this. Uh, we, we believe a lie about God, and the lie about God leads us to then uh, uh, not trust him. And because we don't trust him, we feel an inner, inner hunger. And with that comes in a lie about us. We are on our own. We have to strive to acquire our own life. Our own fullness is up to us. Our own security is up to us. We got to make ourselves feel important, make ourselves feel worthwhile. And because we're living life out of hunger, we become the definers of good and evil. What is good is what will help me feed my starving soul. What's evil is whatever conflicts with me feeding my starving soul. And this is what makes the world go round. That's the general structure of all cages. The particulars will depend a lot on the culture you're raised in. The Cages all look a little bit different. Uh, it will depend on the culture that you're in, your upbringing, your personal personality, your, your the taste and all that. But the structure is always the same. What holds it together is deception. A lie that we believe. It feels like it's a cage of lust and power and addiction and unfaithfulness or what have you. That's how we experience it, but at its root... At its root, it is a cage of deception, which is why the only thing that can set you really free is uh, exposing the deception and holding fast to the truth. So often we shoot at the behavior that's result of the lie. And, and you may get rid of that behavior, and that's a good thing, but as long as that lie is there, some, something else will replace that behavior. You will be... Don't fault Alicia for, for re- reaching out and, and getting the wasabi. <laughs> Uh, no, she's just acting on a false belief. What needs to change is her belief that that was actually guacamole. Which she happened to learn pretty fast in this case, but, but that's just a little slower. Okay, so at the base of it all is this, this, uh, longing for, for, uh, uh or this deception that we believe. Now here, here here's what, what makes this challenging. It's not just that the serpent is crafty. What makes this challenging is that the world's already bought into it. It's all around us. It's the environment that we are in. It's the air that we breathe. It's the water that we swim in. And it's very hard for fish to ever notice the water that they swim in. Uh, What makes it challenging is that the deception is our normal. And this is what keeps us in bondage. You can't get out of a cage you don't know you're in. This is why Paul stresses that it's so important that we understand the strategies of the enemy and we know what to look for, uh, that our eyes are open, and that we can name a lie when we see it. And the best way to name a lie is just to hold it up against the truth. Um, It's the contrast. Ask the question, is this thing here consistent with with, with the truth that's revealed in Jesus? Because if we hold fast to the truth that's revealed in Jesus, we shall be set free. But if holding fast to the the truth that is in Jesus is what sets us free, everything we believe that's not consistent with that is going to be a form of bondage, guaranteed. Can't help but be that. Uh, We need to develop eyes that can see this. Which brings me back to this commercial that I showed earlier on. I want to use it to illustrate something. Uh, the obvious message of this commercial is that National Car Rental is the best place to rent your car because they give, they give it the way you want it, right? Uh, you're in control. And it's a cute, clever commercial. And I'm not bashing on National Car Rental in case there's any employee, employees listening to this. Um, in fact, if the owner of National Car Rental is listening, I love you. Would you send your offering here? Okay, so it's not about that, because I could have used, for illustrative purposes, I could have used about any commercial, and just about any movie you ever go to, and about just about any, any TV show you watch, or any book you read, or any magazine you read, or, or the, the, anything you see on the internet. Uh, I could have used anything, because this is the air we breathe, but this commercial just illustrates it so well. Um, so I want us to watch this again, but this time watch it, holding fast to what you know is true about God and you revealed in Christ Jesus. And see, if you, it's not the obvious message that we have to worry about. It, 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 the enemy's crafty. The obvious, there are messages out there that are obviously evil. Those aren't the ones that trip us up. Not usually. It's, it's the subtle embedded messages, the assumptions, the presuppositions of the message that we don't notice. And because we don't notice them, they slide under the radar screen into our brain. And we, without even choosing it, we begin to believe it. And then we begin to act on it. And now we're defining good and evil for ourselves. What subtle messages are embedded in here? It's not that the, the people who created this, this, this commercial embedded them there, but the enemy who is the principality and power of this world, the deceiver, he, he's got presuppositions all over the place that are not consistent with Christ. What about this commercial is not consistent with Christ? Let's, let's uh, watch it again.
1: I've been called a control freak. I like to think of myself as more of a control enthusiast. Hmm perfect 177 degrees and that's why this road warrior rents from national i can bypass the counter and go straight to my car and i don't have to talk to any humans unless i want to and i don't The national lets me choose any car in the aisle control and so what's the word sexy go national go like a pro
0: so sexy okay i actually think it's a real cute commercial i mean it's pretty clever but it's also antichrist uh we just got to call it what it is. Okay. Now, here, here's what I see, and I'm just using this to illustrate how we have to keep our eyes open. Uh, as we're in this foreign land in this fallen world, we can never fall asleep, and we have to look at the world through the lens of Jesus Christ, the truth that He reveals about God and us all the time. First thing, this guy's a control freak, and that's why he always gets his way, and he gets his—he controls everything. Uh, he doesn 't have to even look when he grabs the cup. The cup is right there. the gal just put right, right at the right time it 's there, and the thermos is right there He doesn 't have to look at it 's all he 's controlled it all, it's all where it 's all just as he wants it and it's, and the coffee is mm, one hundred and seventy seven degrees perfect. He gets things exactly his way, He controls everything. now. Can you imagine Jesus ever operating like that? No, not quite. see the presupposition of this commercial, as true of most commercials, is that Uh, It's normal for human beings to want to control things. That's just normal. That's just a given. It's normal for us to want to get our way. That's the presupposition. That's the the normal. Of course. Duh. Um, And this is part of the polluted water that we swim in. This is part of the polluted air that we breathe. This is why most people in this culture, and every culture will have a different variation of the cage, but in Western culture... Uh, it's just assumed that it's better to be in control than not in control uh, That in fact you have a right to get things just the way you want And so most people feel more fully alive and more important and more significant and yes What's that word again more sexy if you are in control and you're getting what you want, you know that, That's a real plus for you So the version of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we eat is this Whatever helps you be in control and get what you want Well, that's going to be good and whatever prevents you from being in control and getting what you want Then that's going to be evil the truth that's revealed in Christ is the exact opposite of that. The exact opposite of that. The truth that is revealed in Christ is that uh, life comes, fullness of life starts to come when we surrender control over to our Lord, right? Uh, When we trust him enough to be in control and we surrender our our, our will over to him. Uh, It happens when we commit ourselves to living not according to our own will, but to the will of Him, who, uh, our Heavenly Father, to carry out His will on earth as it is in heaven. The truth is that striving to be in control and get what you want is, the, is a assured way of never feeling full and never feeling satisfied and never getting your inner needs met. The truth is that if you find all your life and worth and significance and security in Jesus Christ, you can be set free from this toddler cage of wanting to be in control and this juvenile cage of wanting to always get your way. And the minute you do that, you can opt out of this crazy feeding frenzy of people trying to be king of the hill, trying to be in control, trying to be on top, trying to get their way, which is causing all the mayhem in this world. You opt out of it, and folks, then you are free. Because you already have what everyone's striving for. That's the the ticket to freedom. To know the truth is to know that you've already got what everybody is striving for, and you get it for free, and they're never going to get it, though they work their tail off. And 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 so you can be free, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Freedom happens when we relinquish control. When we die to ourselves, lose your life, you're gonna find it, Jesus says, and he was telling the truth. When we die to ourselves, surrender it all to him, find all of our life in him, stop making ourselves the center of the universe, make him the center of the universe, and now you find what you're created for. You find the fullness that God has always wanted you to have. But first you gotta see the lie. And see the lie comes in a subtle way. He doesn't just announce it, it's presupposed, it's assumed, it's obvious. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's how it rides into our, under the radar screen, into our hearts and minds. And we start to believe it. We start to act on it and our lives end up looking quite different than they're supposed to look. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Second thing here, closely related to it, is that this guy, he's served by everyone, but he serves no one. The young lady has got to put the cup right out there, right? At the right time, she lives to make sure that he gets it. When his hand's out there, he doesn't have any questions. Boom, it's right there. And he walks by those two, uh, clerks. And they're just like, looking at him with his eyes They're like, what can we do for you? Your every whim is our command. In fact, if you watch this commercial enough, and I've seen it too many times now, but almost everybody in the commercial looks at him, but he looks at nobody. And that's part of why he's sexy. You see, part, part of being sexy, part of being, uh, having it together is, is, is that people serve you and you serve no one. Now hold that up against the light of the truth that's revealed in Christ. Do You see any contradiction Can you imagine Jesus ever acting like that? Peter, I said I wanted my coffee at 177 degrees, not 175. Do it over again. It's not going to be what the Son of God's going to say. No, in fact, the truth that's revealed in Jesus is just the opposite of that. But the presupposition, look at the embedded message. The presupposition is that it's positive. It's a positive for you to be served instead of serving others. That's a positive. Uh, it's, it's an advantage. It's normal for human beings to want that. And in fact, that's how they sell the car. We'll give that to you. You get to have this. You're in control. Uh, and, 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 and we serve you. And, and um, it's, it's, that's just the assumption. Uh, this is, part of the, this is a, a central part of the air that we breathe and the water that we swim in. It's our environment. It's the normal. Um, it's, it's sort of the, the of course. And so people feel more significant and worthwhile and sexy and, and, and you know, just fully alive if they're being served by others. And to the degree that they're not, uh, they feel less fully alive. So, the version of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that we tend to eat off of in Western culture, anyways, is, is that whatever will help me be served by others is going to be good, and whatever uh, hinders that is going to be bad. And by the way, I'm not talking about enforced servitude where you, one human being subjugates another and forces them. That is bad. No, this is a, I'm talking about what we choose, how we choose to live. I'm not talking about enforced servitude, how we choose. And the assumption is that if you can choose, to be served, well, then, obviously, you should do that rather than serve somebody. But the truth that's found in Jesus, the truth that's revealed in Jesus is absolutely different. He reveals that God himself serves. He says the Son of Man came not to, serve, not, not to uh, ser- be served by others, but to serve others, to give his life a ransom for, for, for many. I mean, the cross is the ultimate serving of others. You lay down your life for others. Uh, This is what God is like, and we're created in his image, and we're most fully ourselves when we live like that. And so Jesus was constantly teaching things like this, that it's better to serve than to be served. Greater is the one who serves than the the one who who is served. Uh, The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He's constantly turning that thing on on his head. And he's modeling this all the time, too. I love John 13. It says that Jesus, knowing that all power was given to him, he wrapped a towel around his waist and started washing the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples who he knew would betray him by the morning. What do you do when you have all the power in the world? It's obvious. If you win the power lottery, man, you buy everything. If you win the power lottery, well, now you you get, you get control everything. So you get to have your way and everyone's going to serve you. Of course, that's what you do. That's what humans have been craving all all throughout history. And killing each other to get it. It's obvious. But that is all a lie. It's all a lie. That is, that's, That that's, that's the enemy stirring up wasabi and calling it guacamole. And we've been chasing that, that wasabi all throughout history. It's a lie. But it's very much a part of the presuppositions of our culture. Uh, It's the assumption that that's there. Uh, whatever will help us be served, that's going to be good. And whatever is uh, preventing that is going to be evil. The truth that's found in Jesus Christ is this, is that when you get all your fullness of life, your worth, your significance, your security, by what God thinks about you as revealed on Calvary, and you drink from that well deeply, you hold fast to that truth, it will set you free. You hold fast to that truth, and now you're empowered to get out of this silly, stupid cage of wanting to be served by others. Uh, You can opt out of that rat race, this world trying to get on, be king of the hill and killing each other to do it. You opt out of that and now you are free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now you're free to begin to discover the joy of giving, the joy of serving, the joy of generosity, the joy of doing what God does to you, pouring yourself out for others, the joy of of being invested in the well-being of others. Uh, There's a joy in this that the world largely misses because it thinks that joy is found in getting from other people. That's the source of all the misery in the world. We look at ourselves too much. We're narcissistic. We're self-absorbed. We think we're the center of the universe. And so we get miserable whenever anything's wrong. One cure for misery, and I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but one thing you might want to do if you're really feeling miserable is, is get involved in serving other people. And put a smile on their face. And watch what that does to your heart. Because see, this is, we're made in the image of the servant God. We're most fully ourselves when we are. This is the true us. This is what we're created to do. It's not a vile servitude. It's not demeaning. It's not enforced. We choose it because God chose it for us. And there is a joy in this, in being other oriented towards others. Striving to, to be the one who served is a sure way of never getting what you're, what you're trying to get. You're never going to taste guacamole as long as you keep swallowing that wasabi. Uh, but I'm telling you, folks, there's genuine guacamole out there. Hallelujah. And it's found in Jesus Christ. He's the guacamole God. And the enemy tries to turn him into wasabi. But I'm here to tell you, swallow the guacamole God. Oh, this is getting too bizarre. i got to move on. Uh, you get the point. Final thing is this. This guy, he talks to no one unless he wants to. I don't have to talk to millions if I don't want to. Uh, and I don't. And I can imagine Jesus embracing that kind of attitude. I doubt it. I want to do a little qualification here just so I don't feel guilty for the rest of the sermon. Um, it is appropriate, I believe, in fact necessary, that we have spaces in our life, boundaries in our life where we can be alone and don't have to talk to anybody. Um, especially for us introverts here, if we don't have some time where you don't have to talk to other people, then we will find ways of not talking to other people by being in an asylum. Uh, so, so there needs to be spaces that are just your own spaces. But see, the presupposition of this commercial is quite different than that. Uh, you only talk to people when it's convenient to do so, and, and if it's not convenient, you just don't do so. The presupposition of this commercial is that it's normal to relate only to people that you want to. Uh, the presupposition is that you get to control all your relationships. Uh, you always have the off button there, and you can turn it off whenever you want. The presupposition here, part of what makes him sexy is that he doesn't need people. They're there to meet his needs, but he doesn't need anybody. No, and and he's just on top. He refers to them as mere humans for that reason. Oh, those mere humans, the weak ones, they maybe need to talk to people, not me. The presupposition is that relationships are incidental to who we are, right? And so you can turn them off as soon as they're inconvenient. And this is, folks, part of the, the air that we breathe. Uh, in, 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 Western culture, especially in American culture, this rugged individualism, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, you know, I'm a self-made man, you know, I, I, I'm self-reliant, I'm independent. We don't rely on anybody for our success. No, we stand and fall by our own merits. It's, it's individualism here. Uh, and, uh, we celebrate it. And so in, in this view, it's good. It's good to be invincible, to not be vulnerable, to not be dependent on other people. And, and so the version of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we eat, eat off of is whatever makes me self-reliant is going to be good. I don't depend on others. But whatever makes me depend on others is going to be bad. And Batman, does that jack up relationships and create a whole culture of people who just are losing the ability to relate in honest and open ways? The truth that's revealed in Jesus is the opposite of that. The truth that's revealed in Jesus is that we are made in the image of the triune God, uh, we are made, relationships are part of who we are. It's, 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 it, it, it's part of our very fabric. The truth that's revealed in Jesus is that we all need, we all need community with others where we are vulnerable to others, where we are open to others, where we, 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 we love one another and we serve one another and we encourage one another and admonish one another, um, hold one another up, struggle with one another, do life together, uh, you know, we're not made to be an island. In fact, trying to be an island—that you're invincible, no one's going to hurt you, no one's going to get through—and you've met those people, you can go this far, but no further. There's always this—they're not going to get burned, and they're not going to be inconvenienced. Relationships are inconvenient, so these put them off, or these keep it sort of an incidental accessory to their life. Um, that is a form of bondage. That is a form of—it's not strong; it is weak, uh, and and it's a form of, of of bondage. We're created for community, for others, and so we all need people in our life that we can be brutally honest with, and they're honest with us. And yes, relationships are messy and hard and sometimes time-consuming. And there's times where you'd rather not have them. But in fact, this is, this, is, this is the essence of life. And if we're getting all of our life and worth and significance uh, and security from Jesus Christ, then we can, we're strong enough to be able to enter into the risk of relationships. And we're strong enough to be inconvenienced by our relationships. And we're strong enough to be open to other people. And we're strong enough to uh, invest in other people and to give our lives away to other people. Uh, and now you're, you're in a position where you can be set free from this cage, this American cage, this silly, weak cage of rugged individualism. Now you're in a position where you can discover the joy of community, the joy of sharing life with others, the joy of being open and vulnerable, the joy of, of, of honest relationships, um, And yes, sometimes they will hurt, and they'll be inconvenient, and they'll be messy. But you'll discover the joy that it's all worth it if, in fact, our life is in Christ. Amen? Amen. Uh, It's those subtle kind of messages like that. And that particular commercial will land stronger with some than others. Um, But uh, it's those embedded messages that we need to be aware of. And so I'm going to call the worship team up here. We're going to close with one song of declaration. And I just want to say this, that, I encourage you to hold fast to the truth of who you are and who God is in Christ Jesus. And develop a habit of assessing everything in your culture through that lens. Asking the question, does it agree? What are the assumptions of this movie, this, this, this book I'm reading, this magazine, the, the internet, whatever? What are the assumptions that are inconsistent with the truth that's in Christ? Because just to notice it, to, to, to expose a deception... It's to destroy the deception it's no longer a deception, and just by noticing it, you put a block there from it riding into you. Now, there are folks I know who've, who've, who who they, they want to protect their eyes and ears from anything that's untrue, and so they try to run from this they like don't watch TV and don't go to movies and 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 you know don't read or whatever, but it's the air you breathe it, to try to to try to block yourself from this stuff it, you'll have to move to some little island in the Pacific where you're all by yourself, and even then you'll be deceived, because you're not in a community. <laughs> uh, so the answer isn't to run. The, the kingdom way, we never run. The kingdom way of responding to deception is not to run from it, but to expose it, to name it, and then to hold fast to the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In the end, folks, sometimes we need help of others to, to get free, and that, that's absolutely true, but the core of freedom is found in the love of God revealed in Christ and the truth of God and the truth about us revealed in Jesus Christ. It's that love and it's that truth that breaks the chains, right? It's that love and that truth that bursts apart the cages. It's that love and that truth that sets the captives free. It's that love and that truth that liberates us uh, and, and allows us and us to live the way God wants us to live. Every chain that is on you is a lie. Name that lie and get yourself set free. Now you don't get yourself set free. The sun sets you free, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Let's proclaim it. God, you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes. You believe that? Yes. Power, the power of truth shall set you free, and whom the sun sets free is freed indeed. And God wants you free. God wants you free. Whatever your stronghold is, whatever the bondage is, and all the bondages you don't even know about, He wants you free from them. Will you hold fast to the truth? The truth that's found in Christ. The truth that sets us free. Wear that all the time. Notice the environment around you, the pollution. It's what we don't see easily that uh, seeps into our being and begins to change the way we live and think and sets us off course. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come up here, and if you're here this morning and have any need that could use prayer, any need, whether it's about this topic or something totally unrelated, uh, they would love to pray with you. I encourage you to do that. And if you're here this morning and you're not surrendered to Jesus, uh, but you're feeling a pull, I encourage you to come up here and talk to these folks about how to become a follower of Jesus. And let the, cha- let the power of the name set you free as well. Amen. Uh, as we leave this place, I pray we do it in the power of the Spirit, remembering to look at everything through the lens of Jesus Christ, and let the power of Christ, the power of truth, the power of God's love, liberate us, set us free, never to be enchained again. And all who agree with that said, amen. God bless you guys. Go out and be free.